Now, can we just bow together for a moment's prayer and then come to God's Word? Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks indeed for the message and the hymns that we were singing together. And we ask that you write their message upon the tables of our heart. And as we come to the gospel of Christ and thy word tonight, we pray that again you'll write its truth upon our hearts. Lord, we thank you for that old, old story, yet one that is ever new. And we pray that you'll help us to rightly divide the Scriptures and to lift up the Savior, and that each and every one of us afresh might behold him, the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. Perfect that which concerns each and every heart, for we ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. We're going to focus our attention tonight upon the very last verse that we read together. Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The theme of our message is very simple. It is the people's choice. And of course, that's something that all of us do every day. We make decisions, we make choices. And God has given to each and every one of us the capacity to do so. We choose the clothes we wear each day and what color we will wear. We choose our company in life. We choose what we will eat and what we will do. We choose, for example, what school our children will go to and what church we will also worship in. So God has given to each and every one of us the capacity to choose. And when we come to this portion of Scripture and our text for this evening, we again are faced with the people's choice. What we have, of course, here is the account of Christ's arraignment before Pilate, the Roman governor, in the Hall of Judgment. And the events that are recorded here and the people's choice bring us to a very, very important moment in the history of humanity. The importance of it is seen in the fact that it is recorded in all of the four Gospels. The people's choice that day was irresistible, irreversible. It could never, ever be undone. It was indeed the foulest deed of all the ages, the greatest miscarriage of justice that was ever carried out in a so-called law. Many have been the foul deeds committed in our land. Many are the foul deeds that have been committed across the face of the world, a world that is growing more devious and more dangerous every day we live. You and I are living in an age when there seems to be very little hand of constraint upon sinful people. 
man today is doing to man what the wild beast of the forest, the great fish of the sea, would never do to each other. But the climax of all foul deeds that was ever done was carried out that day in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. What happened that day? And what the people chose that day? This world of ours has never been and never will be allowed to forget. Because God's Word, infallible, inspired, unerring, indestructible, has informed generation after generation concerning the events of that day and the sinful choice of the people. What is recorded in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 was vividly demonstrated there. And the weeping prophet, he said, the heart is deceitful. And even took it a step further and said, the heart is deceitful above all things. And went even further and said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That was manifest that day very, very publicly because that day they crucified the Son of God and they killed the Prince of Life. On that particular occasion in the city of Jerusalem, the total depravity of the human heart, the sinful wickedness of human hands, was manifest as the people chose Barabbas, rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sadly, the choice of that day is still the choice of many today. Because many today lift up the fists of their heart in rebellion against God, and they say, No, God, not for me. I'll have my Barabbas and my sin, but not the Savior. Tonight, for the time given to us, we want to look at the people's choice and ask ourselves, Is this my choice? Not this man but Barabbas. It says, Then they cried all again. So you will notice the cry of the people, and that was a sadistic cry, not this man, but Barabbas. And no doubt, Satan had taken control of the people's mind that day and of the circumstances in the city. It was a very, very important day, of course, in the life of every Jew. It was the Passover. When we think of their Passover, why, it was Thanksgiving Day. Or as we would know it in our land, it was Remembrance Day. Multitudes of people would have converged upon this city to give thanks to God and to remember something that had happened in their past. 
when God, by the leadership of one man, Moses, broke the Egyptian bondage, liberated his people, brought them out of the land of Egypt, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and ultimately under Joshua into the promised land. And they were told never to forget that, teach it to their children and to their children's children. And that was the occasion why they all had converged, so many of them, in the city on that day. You can almost hear the roar of the crowd. Because they had turned this event of remembrance and thanksgiving not into an occasion for such, but rather an occasion to reject and crucify the Son of God. And that multitude that day, they press forward to claim the attention and influence the decision of Pilate. They had suddenly forgot their past. They had suddenly forgot God's goodness to them. Now they were boldly, publicly, taking their stand against God and God's Christ. How quickly they had forgotten. But then there's an old saying that bread eaten is quickly forgotten. What happened that day, sadly, is still happening in Ulster today. Many people, and all, if they're honest, can testify to the goodness of God in their life, and yet they have no place, no time, no room in their home, in their life, in their business, whatsoever for the person of God's Son. Now, thinking about that sadistic cry, I want you to notice it was a persistent one. The Bible tells us in the corresponding chapter to this in Matthew's Gospel 27 and the verse 23, it says, And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. This was their persistent cry. Not this man. No Christ. No God. Not in my life. And their sinful passions that day were inflamed. John, in his gospel, says in chapter 18, verse 40, Then they cried all again, saying, Not this man. Luke says in verse 18, And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto his Barabbas. While Mark in his gospel says in chapter 15, And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. They were persistent, determined in their rejection of Jesus Christ. Sadly, that is a persistent attitude and decision and cry and choice of many people in our world today. At Christ's birth, that's how it was. The Bible says, He came unto His own, His own received Him not. At the Incarnation, there was no room for them in the inn. And this mob in Jerusalem now, years later, still had no room for the Savior. 
I wonder, do you have room for Christ? What has your choice and decision been? Room for pleasure, room for business, but for Christ the crucified, not a place that he could enter in the heart for which he died. But not only was it a persistent one, but it was also a prevailing one. Because Matthew says in chapter 27 and 24, Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, which literally means they had set their heart, they had fixed their mind, they were not having Christ. Not in their society, not in their homes, not in their personal lives. On five occasions, Pilate sought somehow to release the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were not having it. That bloodthirsty mob had ganged up against the Savior, and they were determined in their rejection of him. The Bible tells us, of course, in Psalm 14 and verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There's many people in the world tonight and in our different communities who foolishly look out at creation all around them and say, there is no God. But then there's many others. They might admit there is a God, but no God in their life. We are not having Christ interfering in our life. Just like the people in Jerusalem that day. I trust that you have room in your life for Christ. I trust that you've been wise in your choice. When it came between the Savior and your sin. But then I want you to notice something else. Not only a sadistic cry here, they cried all again. But I want you to notice a specific contrast. They said, not this man, but Barabbas. And there is a vast contrast between this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Barabbas, Satan, and sin. It is my personal belief that Pilate that day brought out and sought out the very worst of the sinners and prisoners in the prison. Yet in spite of that, they still said, not this Man, it's a bit like modern Britain today. Anything will be acceptable, no matter what form of religion it is, as long as it's not biblical Christianity. The age in which we live is similar to those particular days. And what a contrast there is between the Lord Jesus Christ and Barabbas. Folks, 
I don't have to say to you tonight, there comes a moment in every individual's life when God bids us make our choice between this world and his dear son. That moment had come for those people. Maybe that moment is coming for you tonight or someone listening online. There's a clear contrast between these two individuals. Christ and Barabbas, the Savior and your sin. Let's look first of all at that contrast in relation to the person of Christ. Now the people that day referred to him as a malefactor. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible tells us that he was the sinless, spotless, smitten, suffering, sufficient lamb of God. The one who could stand before the hostile leaders of his day and say, which of you can convince me of sin? And none of them could open their mouth at honest condemnation of him because every charge they brought was a false charge. And Pilate knew that. He knew that out of envy they had delivered him. He said, what evil has he done? And one of the malefactors that was crucified with Christ said, this man has done nothing amiss. There was no valid reason to reject the Savior. My friend, if you are without Christ, there is no valid reason why you should reject him. The Bible reminds us of our total dependence upon him, whether you are saved or not saved. Because the Bible reminds us that he is our physical life giver. We couldn't draw another breath, speak another word, take another step, carry out another act without his divine enablement and permission. For in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, the Bible says, In him we live and move and have our being. His purpose in coming into this world was that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And he said, I am the life. He is our physical life giver. And more than that, folks, he is our spiritual life giver. And out of him, there is no spiritual life. But then there was not only the person of Christ here, sinlessly, perfect, never thought a wrong thought, never spoke a wrong word, never was out of step with the will of God, never was once too early, never was once too late, never had to apologize for anything. His life was such an absolute marvel of holiness. Paul said it's a condemnation of sin in the flesh. But then we have the problem of Barabbas. It says now, Barabbas was a robber. He was just the very opposite to everything that Christ was. After all, Jesus came to give life, to give joy, to give peace, to give salvation. A robber, he comes to steal and to take. Jesus came that we might have life, eternal life. A robber comes to take, not to give. And of course, Barabbas is so depictive of sin 
because sin robs of everything that is precious, strips us of everything that God wants to give us, which is his peace, his joy, his assurance of salvation and heaven itself. But Barabbas was not only a robber, we read in Mark's record in chapter 15 and verse 7, Barabbas, who had committed murder. Jesus came to give life. A murderer is someone who takes life. And of course, in Barabbas, we have a picture of Satan himself who will rob you of everything that God wants you to have and of heaven itself. Oh, it says in the Scripture, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life. But he was not only a robber. He was not only a murderer. But the Bible says he was a seditionist. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, and verse 19 says, Who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Well, we know what a seditionist is. He is one who incites people to rebel against all authority, a rabble-rouser, a disturber of the peace. So the contrast between Jesus and Barabbas is vast. It is clear. One comes to give life, joy, forgiveness, peace, salvation. Barabbas, he came to take life, to rob people of peace, wreck their lives. The picture of what sin does. What a contrast between the two. Folks, there is no comparison between a life lived in sin and a life lived for the Savior. And I have to say this tonight, for those who will not choose Christ as the people did that day, Satan will rob you of the blessing of heaven itself. Little wonder we are exhorted in God's word, therefore choose life. And to choose life is to choose Christ. But one last thought. We have not only this sadistic cry, not this man, And a specific contrast between this man and Barabbas. But you will see their sinful choice. Not this man, but Barabbas. There was no talking or turning these people. They had set their heart. They were going to have it this way. Like so many, they will have their sin. Whatever the cost.
Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 27, and the verse 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. What a sad, sorry, sinful choice that day. Little wonder Pilate turns round and says, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Many in our world have made this sinful choice to live without Christ and tragically to die without Christ and to tragically be lost without Christ. But then we need to be like Pilate and ask the question, what will you do then with Jesus? Which is called Christ. I want you to notice that their choice was a united one. It says, then cried they all again. On another occasion it says, they all with one accord cried, crucify him. It is the cry of the world generally tonight. Give us our Barabbas, give us our sin. And that mob that day were united in the rejection of Jesus. But it was not only a united decision, it was an individual one. Because surely that crowd that day, like any crowd even today, is made up of individual people, and Pilate emphasized that truth when he said, What shall I do? The mob had clearly demonstrated what they wanted to do, but it still comes down to an individual decision, an individual choice. And though he said, what shall I do? Tragically, he rejected Christ also. Oh, that may have been because of the fear of the people. After all, he needed the people's backing for his position. And, of course, the fear of man brings a snare. Many people know they should be saved tonight. They should choose Christ but they're afraid of what people might think or say about them. I wonder what your decision will be. Over in Acts chapter 26 and the verse 28, we have the story of Agrippa. And of course, the Bible says, he's speaking himself to the Apostle Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian but I don't read of him ever becoming a Christian. You see, almost is not altogether near the kingdom, is not in the kingdom. Being concerned doesn't mean you're converted. In Acts 24 and verse 25, Felix, who sent for Paul also, he says, when I have a convenient season, and he realized this is a personal issue, when I have a convenient season, but the tragedy was he thought he could organize the proper time and moment to make that decision, but he never did. I 
Like the crowd before Pilate, they were simply saying, not this man. But what is your decision tonight, and what is your choice been? Because here's the truth, folks, that one day that mob who bared for the blood of Jesus Christ and crucified him will one day meet him face to face. Just as you and I will meet him one day face to face and give an account of what we have done with Jesus, what our decision, our choice was. Joshua said to the people, Choose you this day whom you will serve. That day had come for those people and they made a foolish choice. Maybe that day has come for someone here or someone listening online. Friend, don't make a foolish choice. Don't choose as those people chose. But choose Christ. Choose him tonight. We're all familiar, I'm sure, with the story of the conversion of C.H. Spurgeon, how the preacher preaching on Isaiah 45 and 22 Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. The preacher wasn't a preacher by profession. Minister didn't turn up because of the inclement weather. There was only a handful of people in the meeting. They knew them all. They didn't know whether to have a meeting or not have a meeting. And it was snowing heavy. And, of course, Spurgeon, as a boy of 15, found himself in that little primitive Methodist church, not by choice, but because of the inclemency of the weather. The preacher got up and announced as his text, he had no preparation made. He had not been used to public speaking, but he called out his text, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And he just kept repeating the text because he was exasperated out after a few moments. And then looking at the young man, he lifted his voice and he said, Young man, you look miserable. And you will always be miserable. You'll be miserable in life. You'll be miserable in death. You'll be miserable in eternity. If you do not obey the words of my text and look to Christ. Lifting his voice, he said, Young man, look to Christ. Look now. And Spurgeon testifying after that said, That moment... I lifted my eyes in faith and looked to Christ and was instantly converted. You see, folks, that's the simplicity of salvation. The Lord says, look unto me. Forget about what other people are doing and look to Christ. There's life for a look at the crucified one. There's life at this moment for thee. Then look, sinner, look unto him and be saved. Unto him who was nailed to the tree. The people's choice. They rejected Jesus. What is your choice tonight? What is your decision? Friend, Look to Christ. 
Lügner. Be instantly saved. My friend, if you're here not saved, you can leave this meeting a new creature.